good. I'm good. Alrighty. Hello and welcome back to Herbs, Acupuncture, and Everything Else. We are back this week and with another special guest. Um, I'm still Herbalist Emma, but this week we have on wild crafter, entrepreneur, and nature educator Sherry Ann Sabalski with us today. Uh, Sherry Ann was someone that I connected with on a, uh, a couple different levels on the social media level, um, but also in person at uh, a Lyme disease workshop, as well as like Heartwood Gathering, I think. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, we've just been like in and around the same community for a while. And, and then when I started kind of paying more attention to what she was doing, I was really excited about it. And I have a lot of respect for people I think as a city as a person that lives in the city I have a lot of respect and like awe for people that don't (laughs) and and, um that like manage to keep such a beautiful relationship with the land and and make a life for themselves that's connected and and beautiful um so I guess Sherianne can you tell us a little bit about what your life looks like what what do you do and what um labels do you use to describe what you do Wow. First, I want to thank you. That was beautiful. I'll have to save those. It's always hard to describe yourself, and it's nice, those three terms that you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, I So I graduated from outdoor and adventure education uh, in college, and after that, I worked at outdoor centers doing exactly what I did in college and it was um programming that was just like canoeing kayaking fire building snowshoeing high ropes low ropes and I love doing that stuff but I didn't have the opportunity to add in my love of connecting people with nature so after I worked at the outdoor center for a while for two seasons I went on to Gaming, mm-hmm. and Gaming Nature Centers allowed me to start a forest school where right now I'm running a bi-weekly program on Wednesday for both um, girls that are homeschooled and some are taken out of school. Mm-hmm. And I get to do a lot of <laughs> amazing activities with them and just running around the woods and singing songs and playing games and teaching them how to make medicine. Mm -hmm. Alongside that, I'm doing my Blue Jay Botanicals. And that's kind of like just me doing my passion as I'm learning, I guess. And or as I'm I was learning for hmm, I graduated in 2016. So it's 2019 now so I'd say two years and then I dove in in the fall and I was like I'm gonna sell things and yeah I did a wild medicine program which we can talk about more later if you want Mm -hmm. and that was last summer so I spent the last two years studying online and hanging out with an amazing mentor, Laura Gilmore. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm ready this year to start really incorporating wild foods into my diet because I have done quite a few plant walks with her now and have a 
whole notebooks full of notes from her (laughs) to start harvesting off the land and really incorporating that this year. Mm -hmm. So that's a bit about me. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot, like you have a lot of things going on and they all kind of interweave and provide different outlets for you, which is kind of awesome. Um, Yeah, so I guess to clarify too, in case people don't know, Blue Jay Botanicals is handmade medicine by you, (laughs) right? And the land and you're making it on, you're making it with your hands and you're preparing it and it's presented um, with lots of different things that I haven't seen before, like breast oil was super neat. I was like geeking out about breast oil for a while, um, which is awesome. Um, so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And are you, are you currently at Wild Rose as well? Yes. I? yes. I just signed up in January with Wild awesome. Rose College, Practical Herbalist Diploma. I'm following Yarrow Willard for my whole journey and I'm I'm just so grateful that I get to study with Terry and Yarrow right now. Like, mm-hmm. it's so surreal. And the fact that, like, he's super engaging and I'm probably going to get a chance to meet him over the next three years. It's just so exciting. Mm-hmm. And that's a big commitment, too, right? Like, yeah, it's three years. It's a lot of mentorship. It's going to be amazing. And it's online. So mm-hmm. that's a big, like... I have to be like, okay, this is actual school and I have to look at it that way. And it's not like just dilly dallying because I'm taking this seriously, but you can take whatever approach to that program you want, but that's Mm -hmm. it. That's awesome. And so I guess one of my other questions would be kind of how did you first get so connected to the land? Like what was your first, um, how did you establish that initial connection with nature, which then I imagine <laughs> led into plant medicine as well? That's such a beautiful question. And I could take so many branches <laughs> off that tree of that. Mm-hmm. But um, I've always been connected to nature. I just never had knew that that was like a thing, like a topic connecting with nature. It was this a regular part of my life mm-hmm. and I grew up living in the country my first home was in the woods with an outhouse like I've always been immersed in nature my mom signed me up for, sc- up for scouts and mm-hmm. that after high school I didn't know what I wanted to do I was um, working in like fast food and different hotel like hotel industry um, oh my gosh, I worked in a call center um, for cable, phone, and internet for people in Florida. Okay. It was one of the most awful yet interesting jobs. Mm. Um, and it really pushed me to know like that wasn't me and I ended up in outdoor ed and in outdoor ed. Mm-hmm is where I think really our main mutual connection came from is Mm -hmm. Chris Gilmore was our teacher. And in our first year, we got to go to Sticks and Stones up to the Wolf Den. Mm -hmm. And we got to go back on the second year. Mm -hmm. And in the first year when we went up, we were introduced to with owl eyes and sit spots and friction fire and shelter building. Things that I have never even heard about before. It's mm, mm-hmm. Because, so, 
I guess I lived in the country, but like I went to school in a small town of 2,500, a Catholic school, a hockey mm. town. There was no topic of like my grade two teacher was the biggest influence. She had the environmental club, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's interesting how it's all came together. But, anyways, sticks and stones. Um, Skeet was there, and Chris, and the people that they had living on the land that mm. year and that's always a great experience for whoever gets to do that program mm-hmm. um you leave like it's such an emotional weekend because you get introduced to a way of connecting with the land that no one talks about mm-hmm. and that I had never I just finally I was like these are my people oh my god mm-hmm. I was like so happy after leaving that and it and it's interesting because I found on the bus ride home not a lot of people in my class they were really well they were really overwhelmed by it mm-hmm. they didn't have the same type of energy I had leaving there and it's and I'm still the one like carrying it on today it's interesting mm-hmm. and so Chris came back in second year and did Kamana with us and he also did bird language and sit spots and we got to go on a plant walk with Laura and I had never (laughs) I never knew that we could plant like I just it's so cool thinking how we don't make those connections until Mm -hmm. it's put in front of us and I was saying to John my partner on the walk I was like Laura doesn't know this but like I am going to be her new little follower like (laughs) And I made it happen because Chris kept talking about um, when they were doing Headwaters Gathering. He was like, you guys got to sign up for this. It's super awesome. And so my friend Kim and I signed up. We went. And I was like, I'm going to go. And I'm going to tell Laura that I want to hang out with her this summer and learn. And that's what I did. And then that was like, so summer 2016. Mm -hmm. And I've just been obsessed ever since. Oh, One of the things that I always remember is during the summer before I knew we were going to do Kamana with Chris Gilmore, Mm -hmm. I was like amped. I bought that program before (laughs) second, like I was such an, I was nerding out. Like I brought it with me. I went up north to work like six hours north of Thunder Bay. Oh my gosh. Fishing Lodge. It was beautiful. I got to see the Northern Lights. Like I, oh wow. And wildflowers really started to catch my eye up there, like, because I'd never really mm. noticed for some reason. I don't know why. I just started noticing there, but it was a really tough job. Mm-hmm. So I, it's like the plants kind of carried me through that. And I started yeah. looking them up in the book that I had with Kamana and journaling and taking pictures and drawing them. And I always think back to that, like, okay, that's where it started. And then I came back, no bangerial. <laughs> Yes, Laura. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's it's really been an awesome. incredible journey. I have so much thanks to give to Laura and Chris Gilmore. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how, yeah, it just it can start with one plant walk, or it can start with one teacher that just tells you, "Hey, can you try to look at the world in a slightly different way than you're normally told to look at it?" And <laughs> everything can shift forever. <laughs> you yeah. know, which is really special, and it's neat that. 
yeah, it's neat that like Kamana, I guess for those who don't know, Kamana is kind of um, like a more of a structured nature education, nature connection um, guide, I guess, with different like tools and different games and different ways of learning. Um, and there are different levels that you can do. Um, and anybody can do Kamana, right? Yep. You can yeah, anybody can do it, yeah. it online. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's neat that that kind of then led you to look at the world and then notice the plants, which is really cool. Yeah. Do you remember, this is like a tangent, but do you remember any of the plants specifically that caught your eye when you were really far north of Thunder Bay? Um, wild roses. I, I oh, always yeah. Wild roses. And it's interesting. I've been following a wonderful uh, woman named Amber. She goes by Amber Magnolia Hill, I think. Mm. mythicmedicine.love she has a wonderful podcast as well and she had this quiz that she's like you got to do this like I know online quizzes whatever but you'll feel really good about the plant you get and I got the rose and I was like no way (laughs) so yeah yeah. that's awesome I drew I drew wild rose too yeah oh it was so I love wild roses (laughs) that's amazing there's not enough of them around me the only mm-hmm. wild rose I've found is over, like, in Curve Lake up the road across from the post office in a ditch. Yeah, yeah. They're so special. They're so special. And the medicine, I feel like, is in and of itself, like, a lesson in patience when gathering. Like, if you think about how small rose petals are and how small rose hips are and just how much rose and even like rose hip seeds like people make their own rose hip seed oil. I've met herbalists that go and make their own yeah. rose hip seed oil. And the amount of care and effort and patience that it takes brings a whole, like, I mean, because in the city, you can just go to your health food store and buy rose seed oil and you don't think about it. But yeah, it's, it's really, that's a special connection in and of itself. Yeah, I could only, you know, maybe one day I'll be making those things when I have my own home in the woods. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure funny that you mentioned that about the rose hips because there was a girl working there with me um I forget where she's from but she was harvest she was waiting for the rose hips and she mentioned that to me and I was kind of just like huh like I didn't it didn't click until she like talked about it more when they were ready she's like oh like the rose hips are ready I was like what do you mean they're ready she's like there's more (laughs) I seeing them now I was like okay whatever and she had like this jar she was taking home she was all excited yeah, I just remembered that. <laughs> yeah, that's wacky, eh? Um, so I guess, yeah, so you're up near Curve Lake in, in Ontario. Curve. You're in Curve Lake. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. That's awesome. Which is just um, outside of Peterborough and Buckhorn. And, mm-hmm. and so drive to Bob Cajun. I do like Bob Cajun quite a bit. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I guess my, my question is like, what are some of the like favorite or most cherished aspects of that land that you connect with? Okay. That's an interesting question that John even mentioned that I should talk about. There you go. (laughs) Um, there is poison ivy covering Curve Lake. It grows like vine. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. You should see the rashes I get from poison ivy. Oh, yeah? You get them bad? Oh, yeah. So I have definitely a connection with jewel weed. But Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) anyway, 
the poison ivy doesn't allow me to in my world quite yet connect with curve lake in the way i want to in the summer Mm -hmm. so i spend a lot of time connecting at um pigeon lake Mm -hmm. which is i guess people call the city of kortha lakes in between Mm -hmm. lindsey and bob cajun but in the winter i've it's so beautiful here Mm. i um i go for a walk every day with um the, my God, the family dog John <laughs> in Curve, so the road on, in Curve Lake it's like John's fam, grandparents house which we live in and then his mom's right next door which is the same yard and then his cousin and then his other cousin <laughs> it's just really cool so mm-hmm. it's all this one big yard basically so Tucker <laughs> the dog and I go for a walk every day and I get to um, I love just sitting in the woods and feeling the breeze and listening to things and tracking in the winter mm-hmm. yeah Some, I don't often know what I'm tracking but sometimes I have a pretty good idea <laughs> totally yeah it's really interesting too that you mentioned the poison ivy because I feel like for people even people that love um herbal medicine or love being outside poison ivy is a huge deterrent for them to further explore and connect the problem is that I, like, you you need to layer, like, you have to wear pants and stuff to be around it when you react like I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm so hot in the summer that I'm dealing, like, I'm dealing with something else that I need to figure out. Oh, yeah, for sure. Interesting, like, <laughs> bodies. Yeah. But, um, it's almost like the poison ivy rash comes back every summer without me even having to, like, touch it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting, too. I mean... Um, in Nature Connection, often it's like, what is poison ivy protecting? Like, what parts yes, of the I was right? Mention that. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting, it's especially there. Exactly, and it's it is really interesting, and I see from um, learning from Laura how to find like the signs of the ostrich ferns and some different wild foods. I see them everywhere, but I also see signs of poison ivy around, and it's just like I don't see anywhere that I can harvest the spring ephemerals. It's really mm. interesting, right? Yeah, because those spring ephemerals are really like the jewels that's of the land, right? Yes, and so that's in- I'm hoping to get someone with better eyes to like help <laughs> me scout out an area that can be like okay, this is not poison ivy, like, because there's some <laughs> yeah. that I can tell are, like, maybes, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Even I had, when like, you're... a favorite um, bearberry patch that I used to always harvest my bearberry from, and I watched every year as the poison ivy would get slowly closer and closer to the bearberry until <laughs> it, I went back one summer, and it was like, nope, you can't, you can't harvest me anymore, sorry. And I'm like, all right, that's okay. I'll keep checking in and, like, seeing if the poison ivy has receded at all. But, yeah, I guess that patch wanted some space. It's Yeah. Poison ivy, the protector of the land. Right. So I have – I'm wondering what your kind of favorite – or, yeah, I don't mean favorite is kind of a funny word for plants. Like, what are your favorite plant friends to, to harvest and to use in your herbal medicine? Um, herbal medicine, definitely harvesting jewelweed and infusing it in apple cider vinegar for my rashes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I actually was so glad. I took a tincture of motherwort, borage, and holy basil before we talked because mm. I was getting really anxious. I was like, I've never done this before. And motherwort is a wild plant. And mm. what that does is it helps slow my heart rate down when I'm having those anxious moments. Mm-hmm. Borage, which I grew in my garden, or borage. People, it's funny when you get into those things. <laughs> yeah. Laura always said, like, we made a tincture and we used borage for courage. So mm. that's what, So I have motherwort, borage, and holy basil. Mm-hmm. Our nervous system. And for medicine, red clovers. I'm always harvesting the, for people who are listening who are wondering what red clover is. It's if you were a kid and you ever sucked on those purple little things that kind of tasted sweet and the bees love, they go down <laughs> three, lo- three leaf clovers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so That's I'm them. harvesting those tops and I'm adding them in my tea throughout the summer. Awesome. Yeah, those are so good. So, so good. And that, so that leads me into the food, I guess, because that's both food and medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, milkweed pods. Mm-hmm. Got to harvest last year with Laura and learn the whole process of that and pickled some and cooked some. And oh my gosh, I'm in love with milkweed pods. Yeah, they're so good, eh? Yeah, they are. Huh. Mm. Yeah, milkweed is one of those ones that is interesting and it has multiple i mean lots of plants i guess have multiple purpose like multiple uses um but yeah i mean that one from a nature connection i guess standpoint too i mean you can harvest those pods and then in the fall you can use this you know the fibers for cordage and making the natural rope yep and the fluff for fire starting i love that you brought that up i had Mm -hmm. that in my talk like how milkweed is (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's really neat, eh? Yep. And you can eat it like it's edible from spring to middle middle of summer once you're, you've harvested the pods and you're done. Yeah, there you go. It's yeah. also one that you have to learn about because if you eat too much, you can get sick. Mm-hmm. And I have, like, people I've met have eaten, have overindulged, and they've been sick the next day. Ouch. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good. Yeah, it's interesting. Like plant medicine is definitely like something you need to learn about and respect when, you know, when moving through the world. Those handful um, servings are definitely (laughs) one to mess with sometimes. 100%. Yeah. Um, So when you're making stuff for Blue Jay Botanicals too, any other like favorites for when you're out wildcrafting for your business? The evergreens. I Mm -hmm. love um one because they're so simple like I I'm not worrying too much about them like having like I like being a soaking wet plant that I have to worry about um drying out a bunch Mm -hmm. then maybe not have my oil going rancid or things like that like they're just super easy for beginning so I love making a salve with them Mm -hmm. and I love the resin and adding that to the salve so that I don't have to so that it smells like it's a natural I don't have I think there's no essential oil in it and it smells yeah. like so good it smells mm-hmm. fine 
Yeah, totally. So do you use white pine or do you cedar, spruce, balsam fir, I, all of them? All of them. So all of them. in Soatkaming, we have spruce, cedar, white pine. When I was working up in Halliburton, I got ac- I had access to balsam fir, which is my favorite evergreen. Mm-hmm. I'm so sad it's not around here, but yeah, yeah, I love using all of them and using like a bit of the branches and the needles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess the nice thing about those plants, I mean, I think the fact that they stay around throughout the winter to me just like shows, I mean, sh- yeah, further like showcases how strong and potent of the, me- like the medicine inside the, those trees is, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, like you said, you, the oil will not go rancid because the oil had like the plant themselves has so much essential oil in it naturally. And it's so antibiotic. It's so antimicrobial. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. That's super, super cool. And so when you add it to your salves, what's the kind of intended um, effect on the body? So for a while I was just looking at it, like moisturizing skin cuts, scrapes. Mm-hmm. Um, my boss, they're elderly and um he's never he's in his early 80s now and his skin gets so dry in the winter they have a wood stove Mm. and my evergreen salve is like one of the only things that will give like so every year I make them like a big mason jar full oh yeah that's awesome it's beautiful because I get to make it from their land Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so dry skin for sure and then I also had a friend rub it on uh the back of the neck when they had a headache and Mm -hmm. that's interesting too because I never actually read anywhere like used for headache relief so Mm -hmm. you know like I'm just learning so I'm sure there's an answer to that but oh for sure (laughs) so now I'm realizing the salve doesn't just have to be like using it to fix something people I understand that people practice meditation and they like to ground themselves and everyone has different practices mm-hmm. and this could very well be something that aids them to connect to the wildland because I've made this from a place with intention and there's heart in it and mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> hundred percent. I think that's, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. I feel like that's the, um, like the huge, like the biggest difference between, you know, when you go to a health food store and you're like, okay, I have a stuffy nose, I'm going to buy this eucalyptus, whatever. And it's going to fix my problem. Right. It's like, where did the eucalyptus come from? Does eucalyptus grow here? Who harvested it? Who processed it? Where did it go? Like, what was the intention when it was processed? Um, And just realizing, like, comparatively, like, that story that you just mentioned of, you know, like, giving someone medicine made from their own land from a friend who's put love and intention into it to keep them warm and keep them, you know, nourished throughout the winter is such a beautiful act of kindness and of connection to the land that plant medicine is really so much more than, like, well, what does this herb do? Yep. Right? Yeah. And so, I mean, how has, how has the making of the medicine and, and 
and connecting with the land and wildcrafting, how has that kind of impacted your, your life? It's definitely slowed me down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm very like, I need mm-hmm. to doing something all the time and mm-hmm. I rush things. I'm impatient. My, I, my grandfather and I often butted heads and my grandma always says it's because we were too much alike and mm-hmm. he is the most impatient man you would have <laughs> ever met. <laughs> I love it. So plants are constantly reminding me to slow down. Mm-hmm. For you, I know you already understand that, but for people listening, it's so I realized when I was thinking about before this talk, what was making me nervous, and it was the topic, not the topic, but the idea of wildcrafting and how I'm like, I don't know if I'm actually wildcrafting yet, but mm. I am, and it's mm-hmm. because I've spent the last couple of years learning and growing things and connecting with the evergreens that now I'm ready this year to really dive in because I got to do that program. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a process, right? Like, yes. Just harvesting, like, mm-hmm. even if you only go out once this year and harvest, you know, white pine needles or you harvest, you know, a handful of red clover and you make a tea, that's, a, that's, that's good. <laughs> that's a start. Yes. That's connecting, right? And nettle, I have wanted to harvest mm-hmm. for so long, but I just haven't, like, I think I'm finally ready this year. And yet it's like everyone says, like, this is so easy. And I'm like, but is it? Is it ready yet? So it's it's late now. It's funny how, but now I'm more confident. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like that's a big, especially in the natural health community. And this is kind of more where, like why I'm so passionate about, about accessibility and letting, like, you know, there's no wrong way to do this medicine. Like there's no wrong way to, to interact with, you know, to make herbal medicine. Like it can be, you know, however you want, right? If you don't feel ready to harvest nettle, then that's that's okay, you know? Like, Or, or if you feel like you're never going to be ready to harvest something. Like, there are plants that I think about that I am not ready. If I met right. them in the woods, I would not know <laughs> the first thing about how to process them, right? And that's okay. You just mentioned one of the steps that... Uh, the five steps to harvesting the Laura teaches and it's mm-hmm. knowing the right process mm-hmm. or how to process the plant and that's the slow part often like mm-hmm. harvesting is so quick and easy like you can go out, harvest your bushel get home and then it's like oh do I have time for this no mm-hmm. sometimes like they'll sit there and then you don't want to waste it mm-hmm. you want to know what you're doing before you go out and gather all those plants mm-hmm I've definitely had plants go bad because I've harvested and not had time. Yep. Or the cats have eaten them. <laughs> you know, like just all sorts of like weird. I live in a basement, so I. Extra that... challenge there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, the whole the whole year I lived in a basement. I didn't harvest a single dry herb in my house because I knew that it would go moldy in that basement. I just knew it. Yep. I was like, this basement is damp as, as heck and I'm not I'm not doing it. Uh, but then as soon as I moved out of the basement and moved into a, a high rise on like the 20th floor, I'm like, yeah, there's airflow. I'm good. I can hang herbs everywhere <laughs> if I need to. Um, but you're right. Like, do you have time to process it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And do you know how, and, and are you going to harvest it in a, in a good way? Um, 
Do you have any tips for that? Like harvesting in a good way? And what does that mean? Um, Harvesting in a good way. I look at it like if you walk away and it looks like you were there, you've probably taken too much. And that I've learned from Laura. Everything. (laughs) Fair enough. And so sustainability considerations mm-hmm. that's definitely something but I'm not I I guess maybe that's something I need to learn but I guess like wild leeks mm-hmm. watch everyone who harvests wild leeks if you have not watched Laura Gilmore's watch videos on how to harvest them ethically please go and do that mm-hmm. it's it's so it breaks my heart when I see those posts on Instagram that are like these huge bundles of full mm-hmm. leaks and yeah some of them have their own access to private areas that's cool but then i you know not everyone is like mm-hmm. there's no way that all these people are doing it ethically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah for sure yeah, that's an interesting so how you go about that i guess is mm, harvesting on your own private land or if it looks like people are already there maybe find another spot (laughs) there you go yeah there's so many people with land like ask your friends start going for walks that's one of the things I've discovered like as you start getting to know people and people have yards people have trees and plants that Mm -hmm. they're not harvesting from and Mm -hmm. oh for sure even in the city I've walked by (laughs) there's a yard (laughs) on my way to work that is literally all catnip like it's just it's a giant front yard and it's all catnip and the older couple that lives there I don't think they don't they don't do anything with it you know and there are like there are ginkgo trees all over the city there are there's red clover everywhere what do you do with your do you harvest the ginkgo uh yeah 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 I'll wait um so one of my teachers told me to wait till the leaves turn yellow um, I haven't heard that anywhere else, but I trust this person a lot. Um, and he said, wait till the leaves turn yellow and wait till they fall off the tree. So don't go picking the green leaves off the tree. Wait till the leaves turn yellow. It's like a very small window. It's like a three-week window in the fall when the leaves have fallen and they're not quite, they're not decomposing yet, but they're yellow mm-hmm. and they're off the tree. And then you go and you scoop them up and you can either dry them or you can you can tincture them. Um, I'm... I'm correct that they stink, right? Mm. Only the, the I think it's the female trees that smell really bad, or it's the male. It's one of the one of the trees that produces the fruit, which to my mind would be the female tree. Um, smells horrible. We were, I was <laughs> but the my... ones that don't produce the fruit are okay. Okay. Well, when I was walking with my friend in Peterborough in the fall. Someone walked up this it's so funny. It's like, how did he know to walk up to me of all people? He just walks <laughs> up to us with this coffee cup and he's like, Do you know what this is? And I was like, No, actually, like getting super curious. Mm-hmm. He's like, It's from that tree over there. It's mm. the Inko tree. And I was he's like, Smell it. And I was like, Oh my god. <laughs> like it mm-hmm. was awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Like the and I notice at least living in the city. 
the city purposefully doesn't plant as many of the fruit bearing trees as the non fruit or like they don't plant them close together. Like they, they have a system so that it doesn't smell <laughs> horrible all the time. <laughs> it's really funny that they actually had to think about it because yeah, people will smell it and be like, what the heck is that? That's gnarly. <laughs> but they're great and they're and yeah like people have it in their yards and you can just go up and say hey I hope you like do you would you mind if I took some of these leaves that have now fallen off your tree nice I also want to mention for um being ethical knowing that you're not allowed to harvest on conservation areas and yeah um provincial parks Mm -hmm. so yeah Definitely a big thing to start finding your own access to things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to saying, like, to giving gratitude for the plants, like, how, how do you like to do that? <laughs> um, I haven't found the practice that is right yet for me. I've tried different things like Rosemary Gladstar says to leave a piece of your hair or just talking with I think definitely just sitting with the plant beforehand and unless it's like a tree that I always harvest from then I'm always just like walking by like hey evergreen I love you thanks Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know I'm just constantly admiring the plants I'm always around and harvesting from so in my that's what resonates with me for giving gratitude and I always have like spending so much time in nature and sitting around in these spots there's always time to give gratitude and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah for sure and I think like you said another part of you know giving gratitude would be not taking more than you need and not leaving the place worse than you found it but Mm -hmm. leaving it better than you found it I'm thinking about the animals and insects and all the things Mm -hmm. that are also needing those or eating those plants and berries and nuts and seeds totally yeah for sure for sure using it as shelter Mm -hmm. yeah 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 (laughs) and I guess because I guess there are like certain plants that we also shouldn't be wild crafting right Mm. what are those plants I mean maybe not like broad spectrum like never but I mean what I was kind of taught is uh, one of those being North American ginseng yes being one that like if you find that in the woods even if it's like a good patch which honestly I've never seen even one yeah um, (laughs) like I can't imagine seeing a patch of wild North American ginseng that wasn't like planted there um yeah I don't think we're actually even allowed to harvest it no I don't no I don't think so yeah or even um not that you can't wild craft chaga. Um, I was but... just going to say. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good thing to bring into conversation. Do you want to say anything about chaga? <laughs> oh, I wish I had my notes about it. I'm... Chaga, so from John's perspective and what he's always been taught is that's a medicine that's only brought into the home for serious, when there's really something that needs um tending to or someone's really sick cancer Mm -hmm. um and then from learning from laura my understanding is how long it takes for chaga to grow in the wild Mm -hmm. how um easy it is for that to be disturbed 
um, mm-hmm. how much it it could it probably serves to the land that we don't even know about. So if we're going and taking it off, mm-hmm. it's just taken all this time to yeah. Chaga is interesting in that way, and um, so you only need this one little piece for yourself for like a year. And Laura, so, like she, it's like you see people with bundles, and she's like, "You've just harvested enough medicine for yourself for like twelve years." Yeah, it's, it's you. Re- it's understanding like she adds that one little piece to a crock pot, and it's. Um, decocting for days and she's adding more water and it's such a slow medicine that provides you so much for so long if you know how to properly Mm -hmm. use it and so it's kind of it's interesting to see what's going on with that whole chaga scene and it becoming a what do you call those things oh god I know I know what you're talking about chaga and yeah like the yeah yeah there's like kato bone broth that upsets me kato bone broths that are powdered that are like those mlm companies it's just so interesting how there's we can't take we can't give up one quick fix for another yes (laughs) yes let it be said 100 percent. i mean like yeah, I no offense to Four Sigmatic, but like my lord, like I see some of the mushroom tea companies that are like, here's a chaga coffee substitute, and you're like, no, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Incorporating in your in, in your stuff just for it's like, yeah, I have chaga in this, and this yeah, it's a buzzword, yeah, 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 and it's like, why even bother? <laughs> and yeah. then, um, there's an article that CBC Indigenous just did that they interviewed uh, um, a family that's been harvesting this and using it as medicine for so long and they don't agree with selling it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I read that. I think maybe you shared it and I think I read it and I Wasn't was like... beautiful? It was lovely. Yeah. I cry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's true though. I mean, like, this is, this is our one earth. This is, the, we, this is what we have. And you're, I really like what you said, like, don't trade in one quick fix for another. It's like, okay, you want to get into plant medicine because, you know, you don't like the potentially the, the culture or container that Western medicine holds, which is like, you have a headache, take a Tylenol. You have <laughs> arthritis, take a steroid, like whatever that like quick fix pill popping mentality, you don't like it. So you want to try herbal medicine instead. But still, like, it's, you're right. You can't replace that with, I, it's, I have a cold. I'm going to take chaga every day. (laughs) Like, that's not, no. Or not even, or just, like, using it once and then not using it for a few more weeks. Then it's, like, then it hasn't served its purpose. It's something you have to be taking Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. a period of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's why I guess, like, that's why I'm so uh, excited and, you know, in awe, uh, have a lot of respect for what you do and what Laura Gilmore does and like the people that work and live in this community space of harvesting plant medicine and teaching other people. And so, you know, the, the like cultural significance of these plants to indigenous people. And you also know you know, how it grows, and therefore it gives you a, a sense of how you should use it. 
right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, takes a long time to grow. It takes a long time to establish on the birch and therefore you, it's a long-term medicine and it's a slow medicine versus those like spring ephemerals that are really fast. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't ever harvested chaga. I've never came, I've like seen it, but it's only ever been like on a plant walk with Laura or on her land or like that was only once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just haven't. And so that may just be one of those things that will come to me when maybe I'll need it one day. And I just mm-hmm. want to bring up, I don't understand how there's this one big tea company. I don't know if we should say the name or not. But <laughs> does chaga tea bags and it's like how do you do that where's all this chaga coming from and chaga tea bags like bags yeah. made of chaga no like just like tea bag like the box of tea bags it's not oh like yeah, yeah chaga i mean and laura actually commented when i shared that article that there's a man doing a talk in muskoka it probably passed on how he is cultivating chaga okay. and so it'd be interesting to hear if she or no i think she went on a trip but Hopefully we can hear how that is, if it's a thing or what. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my mind, it's like, how is that possible? If it takes so long to grow in the wild, how are you manipulating it to be a thing to, like, farm? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, we have, uh, yeah, I mean, at uh, the place that I work, we have a, a chaga supplier from um, PEI that is like a sustainable person that's doing it off of his land. And he just sends us some maybe once a year and it's, uh, and, but even still, like it took us a really long time to pinpoint a sustainable person that we could trust that, you know, um, is doing it in the right way. That's beautiful that you can make those connections. Yeah. It takes a lot of, it takes a lot of effort and it's, but in it's even, I think it's still, better yet that you have the connection yourself you know like even if it's it's great if you know someone who knows someone but yeah I would still as a herbalist myself wish that I had connections for all the herbs wish I could just go and find them all by myself (laughs) you know because then that connection is so much stronger right my goal is to have a wild or something I grew in my garden in every one of my products unless it's like a clay product but it's so simple to ions and dry them out and have herbal facial steams and yeah, totally. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh man. So I guess, yeah. Is there anything, anything else that you want to kind of touch on or, or let people know about in terms of like connecting with the land and connecting with plants? Um, I think a big thing that's being said in a lot of places is getting outside for 20 minutes every day mm-hmm. um, and doing that in a mindful way. And you'll be amazed at what you'll start feeling and discovering when you start stepping out in nature for 20 minutes, feeling the breeze, mm-hmm. listening to the birds, taking a look at the crack in the sidewalk and at the plant and taking a picture and going home and looking it up like, as you start spending more time, you'll hopefully start getting curious about things and feeling more 
uh, maybe relaxed. That's one of my big things with Blue Jay Botanicals is people are so stressed and anxious and feeling this disconnect right now. And I truly believe if we start reconnecting to our roots, like going outside and using plants as medicine and incorporating them in our food. And yeah, we can't be hunters and gatherers, but learning how to harvest those dandelions in the spring is that's super empowering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love that. Oh man. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Sherianne. That was such a lovely little like I feel like it's almost a like a like dipping your toe into you know herbal medicine and wild crafting and nature connection because they're so like we could keep going forever yep that's for sure yeah which is you haven't even shared anything no 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 this was just I just wanted to hear I mean because I think everybody that I've met that is um like walking the plant path and working with like herbal medicine and especially those that also come from a nature connection background and they like to be you know like out in the woods and learning about nature it's such a unique perspective and I mean even though I know you mentioned like you know a lot of stuff you learned is from Laura Gilmore you have such a unique perspective in and of yourself Mm -hmm. which is so valuable and I think it'll also be cool because like uh, you know two years five years you'll look back at this podcast and be like ha 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 see where I am now all the things I'm doing all the things I'm harvesting like all the products I'm creating yeah I'm excited to harvest pine pollen for the first time (gasps) pine pollen can you tell me more about that (laughs) how do you plan to harvest said pine pollen and what will you use it for I plan to harvest it when the catkins have not opened yet and this way you can bring them in, harvest them, put them on like a, like a metal sheet. Mm-hmm. And then you allow them to ripen for a couple of days and all the pollen will fall out. What? Yeah, that's what Laura So says. cool. <laughs> I have it, like, I have it written down from words from her mouth that that's what to do. <laughs> I love it. And so it's basically a... Um, it's like a superfood. It's mm-hmm. a superfood for us. It's a superfood for the soil. It's fertilizing nature every year, mm-hmm. so it may as well fertilize us too. Yeah, it's funny you say fertilize too, right? Super high, like in like helping with uh, testosterone levels in men. Mm-hmm. So that's like a lot of the times, I guess, at like health food stores, you'll see in like a male tonic or like a male vitality powder, they'll always have pine pollen in it. Yep, but it's neat when you think about yeah, what does pollen really do in a natural sense? Like it is very fertile. It is, Super and cool. white pine is actually like is one of the signs of fertility because of that in, in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's so neat. So you're going to use white white pine pollen, or can it be any pine pollen? It can be, and well. Other, I'm assuming you. I don't even know if you does pine pollen. I don't. I haven't studied you, but well, yeah. Most any pine that's making pollen, then you're harvesting in a safe place. That's awesome. Very very cool. 
Oh man. And can you speak about breast oil before you, before we go? (laughs) (laughs) Breast oil. Oh, that's something that I've actually found has been helping me. I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't sleep, which I'm interested in Chinese medicine and looking at that (laughs) whole from listening to your podcast. Oh yeah, totally. Thinking about that now, but the breast oil is, I'm going to, it's a rosemary gladstar recipe that I'm using. Um, Calendula, I've infused calendula and jojoba oil and I've added lavender, pine, and rosemary essential Mm -hmm. oils. Mm -hmm. And those plants are all known for enhancing lymph node flow and clearing your airway and feeling really good and relaxing. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, because that was my first time making it, I'm going to infuse calendula and pine so that I don't have to use the essential oil. And then I can just use like lavender essential oil. But anyways, the breast oil is super easy to do. You, Rosemary recommends you do it five days a week, and it allows you to connect with your body, get to know it. If you are feeling your body every day and something comes up, it's really helpful when you go to the doctor and you can say, like, I know that that wasn't there yesterday. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So that's one big thing. And also massaging your breasts and hopefully maybe if you are getting congested, then you're allowing things to flow and maybe you're, it's a preventative. Mm-hmm. So yeah, self-love awesome. is one of my, it's, I don't, like people may say like self-love, oh, pff, buzzword, but no, it's such an important thing. And I believe that so many people need to start incorporating more self-love. Heck yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. It's super needed. And I mean, it, as much as it is kind of a buzzword these days, it's a very important buzzword. Exactly. Yeah. Even the word love, like. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, for sure. Oh man. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that like beautiful (laughs) little like droplet of love um, with us. And I yeah, I'm I'm super inspired. I kind of wish it was summer, because I really want to go like, walk in the woods and see the plants, but they're they're on their way. Um, But yeah, so if people want to find you, where can they find you? Where can they purchase some of your beautiful handmade products? They can head to bluejaybotanicals.com. I have my stuff up on Etsy, and you can find the link through there. Please connect with me through Instagram. It's one of my big things that I use to share with you tidbits of everyday life, living, connecting with the wild, and how you can do that too. And Yeah, Mm -hmm. connect Mm -hmm. with me on Instagram, or just sign up for my newsletter if you're not into that. And we, you can read some of my writings and such. <laughs> yeah, I have to say I love your Instagram and it, especially for those of us in the city who want to see not the city. It's nice. I like open your stories and I'm like, oh, look, she's in the woods. It's so nice. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, look how nice it looks over there. Um, <laughs> and it's just it's a lovely it's lovely. And I love also, I guess, people in Ontario can go to the Giming Nature Center and find you, yep. which is also yep. awesome. 
And that's a beautiful place. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sherry Ann. It was so wonderful. And thank you so much for listening to Herbs, Acupuncture, and everything else. We hope you enjoyed this little tidbit with Sherry Ann. Please feel free to let us know. Give us an email at herbsandacupodcast at gmail.com if you have any comments or questions. Stay happy and healthy.